All of the newest episodes of Note to Self are now available on the Luminary Podcast app. It's free to download, and you can also listen to other podcasts from WNYC Studios, like Radiolab, Two Dope Queens, Snap Judgment, Here's the Thing with Alec Baldwin, and others. Luminary Premium is the only place where you can enjoy the entire new season of Note to Self, plus new original podcasts you won't find anywhere else, from Trevor Noah, Roxanne Gay, Guy Raz, Lena Dunham, and many more. And you can enjoy them ad-free. Start your free trial by going to luminary.link slash note to self or download the Luminary app for free. Listener supported. WNYC Studios. So happy Monday morning to you. Yeah, same to you. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's been a bit surreal. Canyon City is a wonderful little town. Not used to this kind of attention and must say that it's been a bit of a roller coaster. From WNYC Studios, I'm Anoush Zamarodi, and this is Note to Self, the tech show about being human. Today, sexting and teenagers. You just heard a school superintendent dealing with an unfolding saga in Colorado. We're investigating a huge scandal at Canyon City High School involving hundreds of racy pictures. Police are currently investigating. They have Now, regular listeners, you know that I think the issues that come up around sexting, especially teenager sexting, are really interesting and important. There's a tension around the technology and sexuality and how kids grow up these days and how we parent. Oh, and also the law. They have since confiscated about three different phones, we're told, after... So I think that what's happening in that small, semi-rural Colorado town, Canyon City, about two hours south of Denver, it deserves nuance. It deserves nuanced thought and discussion. Let's start with the facts. As you may have heard, the local high school there uncovered a quote-unquote sexting ring. That's what the New York Times called it. Here's the Times reporter in Denver who's been covering the story, Julie Turkowitz. So through a tip line, the school officials and sort of local authorities discovered that um, at least 100 kids in the local high school have been trading photographs. Maybe there's about 300 or 400 photographs involved. They're not really sure yet. So my understanding of what was happening is that the kids were uh, trading photos. A couple of students told us that there was some sort of Uh, rating system going on where if you were a student who was gathering photographs that you would gain more points if you had naked pictures of kids of a certain, I guess, social standing. I'm not exactly sure. We don't know how the point system worked. I don't know if it really matters how the point system worked, but that was sort of the idea behind, um, you know, collecting these photos almost like baseball cards. Oof, baseball cards. So... An entire Midwestern community is now trying to figure out how to handle really tough questions about teenagers and technology. Some people are scared that Canyon City will have a reputation of being obsessed with sex. This is Canyon City Daily Record crime reporter Sarah Rose. I think people are just shocked that it got to this level. Some parents are very concerned about the possibility that they're son or daughter could get a felony charge. A felony charge, yeah. Because even if you weren't coerced into sending an explicit photo of yourself, if you're underage, it is considered 
child pornography. So now combine the law with teenagers and technology, and Canyon City's school superintendent, George Welsh, had to come to work this week ready to deal with one of the craziest situations of his life. So happy Monday morning to you. Yeah, same to you. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's been a bit surreal. Canyon City is a wonderful little town. Not used to this kind of attention and must say that it's been a bit of a roller coaster. And I guess I'm wondering, Mr. Superintendent, you must have, you had the weekend, maybe not much time to yourself, but maybe time to think about why people, the nation, the media is descending upon you, why they're making such a big deal out of it. What do you think? I'm not sure I have the best words for it, but sexting, um, you know, in the United States, sex sells. And and quite frankly, apparently in Japan and Germany, too, because I've seen that our story has hit publications there. And, and so it's it's just, let's just say it's a juicy subject, unfortunately. And then obviously what's happened with this one is because of the size and scope of this, I think it You know, it just makes people wonder what's going on in their own neck of the woods. Um, When you say um, the scope, can you, obviously within the legal parameters, how how would you describe the scope? Well, we're all comfortable saying that we got a cursory glance at hundreds of pictures. Uh, How many kids that is, we don't know. The cursory glance showed that definitely students between grades 8 and 12 we don't figure we're the only one. Unfortunately, we're the first one, it seems, that it's come out to this extent. And so it's a great uh, way to, to start the conversation about how we deal with kids and such devices and such laws in you know, 2015. Yeah. So what are you telling your teachers and administrators then going forward? If a kid comes to one of your teachers with a photo on their phone, what is the plan for how to work with the kids, their families, and the authorities? Right. And and actually, we've bowed a little bit to the police at this point because they're deep into the investigation. And actually, I had all the high school kids in an assembly last Friday and said, first of all, if you need someone to talk to, go find someone to talk to. And I said, if you, know, if you do bring the issue to a school employee, it is our current policy and job to, you know, forward this information up the chain of command and then, as we always have in such cases, refer to the police for investigation. So it's a tough spot we're in as a school. We want the kids to trust us and be able to talk to us about it, but uh, we also have to be a reporter. I mean, this is in the state of Colorado. It's themed child pornography. I mean, Um, do you think any of the kids knew, like, the big legal implications? I, I think very few. And uh, I bet you not many adults prior to this big thing hitting in the community knew that it could be charged as such. The other thing I think kids just don't get is that, you know, when you share this with one person, that you've lost all control at that point. And the speed at which something like this can go forward is just, you know, beyond belief. So that's what you want the kids to understand. But what do you think the kids want you to understand? I mean, you must spend a lot of time with high schoolers. Are any of them saying to you, like, Mr. Superintendent, you don't understand, this is just how what it's like to be a teenager in 2015. This is the legal stuff is crazy. 
So I have some personal experiences on this. And uh, first of all, I have a, a seventh grade daughter uh, in this district who has a, um, she has an iPhone, you know. Her answer is, you know, I had never thought about doing that. I don't know anyone who does it. I'm just hoping she hasn't had, you know, the opportunity to gain that kind of friendship and trust where she would do that yet. But I just don't feel like I have a finger on the pulse of kids from eighth grade through 12th grade as to why they're thinking this is okay, you know, except that here's something I could share with you is uh, I... Um, if I had to be naked in front of a person, I would sooner it be a photo <laughs> given to them than have to stand there. You know, there's sort of like a safety in that. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, you know? yeah. You can pose for it. You can suck the right things. I don't know. And and so if you want to dabble in this kind of uh It doesn't feel you know, real. Behavior, Is that what you're saying? Be, I suppose so, yeah, you know that it, it's a step removed from the intimacy of that. But boy, I'd sure like to hear like social psychologists that, you know, talk about what, what's going through a kid's mind when it comes to this. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like you really are trying to wrap your head around this. And in terms of, may I ask, what what's your policy in your district for sex education? What do you teach? Well, we have a comprehensive uh, health curriculum, K through 12, and we do, you know, obviously touch on reproduction and means by which to prevent it. To me, if you want to ask where this fits in the curriculum, it fits in 21st century skills for information literacy. Um, and Canyon City School District were a little bit behind in our instruction. And the preliminary work I've done so far to think about our path forward is that this is not the kind of thing where you just call everybody into the auditorium to tell them taking a picture of yourself, you know, an inappropriate picture of yourself and sending it to someone is bad, you know, now go home. It's more about teaching, you know, about the legal and ethical use of technology uh, in so many ways all through the course of a kid's education. I had an elementary principal today in, a, our, in our exploratory school said, we need to teach kids how to use their moral compass. Mm. And there's two things going on with this particular issue. Number one, how, what are they feeling like when they're doing this? They've got to ask themselves, what are they feeling like when they're doing this? And number two, they've got to ask themselves, why am I hiding it in a secret app if mm. I'm not? proud of what I'm doing. And I think those are two great questions to ask. Sounds like a self-esteem issue, too. Probably on many levels would, if you're a 14, 15-year-old, would your self-esteem go up if someone asked you for such a picture? Um, possibly, you know, and oh, somebody thinks I'm attractive and yeah. I'm worth looking at. However, um, I think there are some people would argue that perhaps it's low self-esteem as well that you don't you don't think enough of yourself that you would feel like I can say no to this, you know. Just to be devil's advocate, I want to tell you very briefly a story. I spoke to one sex ed teacher here in New York City, and she said she sat down with a group of girls, and before she even got started, they all pulled out their phones and put a picture on their phones, pulled up a picture, and said, "Why do they all look so different?" because they each had a picture of a penis on their phones. And part of wow. me, yeah, I was shocked. I was appalled. But then I kind of laughed. And I was like, well, 
you're certainly going to learn something in that class. Like, is this <laughs> maybe just the new way of doing things? And we have to use it to our advantage to teach children about sex, sexuality, gender, and how we just get along as human beings. Well, it certainly, to me, opens up that conversation. I've told several people around here, like, I feel like I'm having my and I don't know how old you are, so maybe this goes over your head, but I'm feeling like I'm having my Archie Bunker moment. Oh, I'm with uh, you. I, okay, I grew up at a time where, uh, you know, we had three TV stations, and one of them showed all in the family once a week. And I always sided with Meathead during the Archie Bunker-Meathead <laughs> arguments, you know, anti-Vietnam War and this progressive young attitude, and I couldn't, I, I couldn't get Archie Bunker. And so I'm sitting here playing Archie Bunker right now where, uh, gosh, this is just a societal norm. It's not okay. There's got to be a punishment. There's, And maybe time has passed me by, and Meathead says human bodies are beautiful, and why can't a person, if they choose to, you know, share theirs with someone else in this way, can't they do it? I, 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 don't, I don't have the answer. <laughs> but Meathead would be super excited that weed is legal in Colorado, too, right? I mean, look where uh, we are here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He would probably be very excited about that. Thanks for bringing that up. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Superintendent, I know you have a very busy day ahead of you. We are really grateful that you made time for us because we think that this is like truly, you know, I'm sorry that it had to happen to your school system, but it had to happen somewhere to launch this discussion. It has just been boiling and boiling. And um, so... Uh, thank you, I guess, is the way I Yeah, the, well, the cat's out of the bag, and and, uh, and let's um, all be real thoughtful about it. That was George Welsh, Canyon City School Superintendent. You got to feel for the guy, right? Okay, when we come back, what is the right way to move forward here? On last week's show, we asked the question, is my phone listening to me? Even when I don't have it turned on, even when I'm not talking to it. We compiled stories of instances when it seems like our phone knows a little too much about what's going on in our lives. Like we say something out loud and then suddenly an ad for that very thing shows up on our screen. And while the tech companies don't seem to want to weigh in on our question or our episode, surprise, surprise, we did get feedback from you. Beth Gill tried to share our story on Facebook, but she thinks the Facebook algorithm kept it hidden. She wrote in, I feel like this is not a coincidence, so I have pledged to share your story every day for the next week. (laughs) I love your strategy, Beth. Thank you. Listener Ross Diamond in Washington, D.C. started experimenting. He typed his friend's unlisted cell phone numbers into Facebook, and yep, they found them all. If you didn't hear last week's show, do check it out. It features Walter Kern. He is an amazing writer on privacy and surveillance, among other things. It is one of my favorite episodes, too. We're back. This is Note to Self. I'm Anoush Samarodi. And we're talking about teens and sexting and whether it's really a problem or just a problem for us grown-ups. 
Those high schoolers in Colorado had a method for keeping their photos locked up and away from prying parents. Lots of teens actually use this method. Here's Grace, a 16-year-old from Westchester, New York, explaining it to me. There's things called PhotoVault, and basically you can lock up pictures with, like, a passcode. Oh. Yeah, like, I have one of those. I, I, have, I have, like, five friends who have those. Like, oh. It just, yeah. PhotoVault. Okay. Yeah. And you just, is it free? Yeah. And you just lock up your, like, what pictures on your phone? Yeah. So forget Snapchat or Instagram. Even if they aren't taking nude pictures of themselves, a lot of kids use photo vaults. And if photo vaults got banned or something, they'd find another way. Because kids always find a way to use technology to work around us grown-ups, right? Sure. My name is Susanna Stern. I'm a professor in the Department of Communication Studies at the University of San Diego. Professor Susanna Stern studies teens and their relationship to digital media and popular culture. Remember earlier when school superintendent George Welsh said that he'd like to hear from an expert about what's going through these kids' minds when they sexed? Well, here you go, superintendent. Great. So I just have to ask you, when you saw what had happened in Canyon City in Colorado, what was your first reaction, Professor? My first reaction is, what's a sex ring? <laughs> what? That was mine, too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was my main reaction. What is this? What is really going on here? What's really of most concern? But what you're saying is that if they were like, yeah, kids are sexting, you would be like, yeah, no, duh. But because right. there was something a little bit more sort of organized and formal, potentially a ranking system, we don't really know, that raised flags for you. I mean, this certainly isn't the first instance I have read about where young people swap and take digital images for some kind of exchange or ratings. That's not a new idea. I mean, in a way, like if you think back, perhaps less intimate, but Facebook was, if I understand it correctly, was founded on this idea of, you know, ranking hotness or, or you know, attractive people. So it's not that many steps away from uh, the largest tech platform on the planet. Absolutely. Social media platform. I mean, most of our social media that young people are using involve some kind of likes system or follower system or validation of some sort ratings. The work that I've done has focused most recently on two things. One, looking at what young people regret about what they've posted online. And in my study, which was not a random sample, representative sample, um, it wasn't Primarily, it was not sexuality or sex-related. It was more things like alcohol-related, showing those kinds of images. And then I am doing another study right now that's looking at the ways in which young people can control or they lose control of their identities through the act of participating online. And then I think the idea of images comes up much more frequently, that young people— Ooh, tell me about that one more, yeah. Well, a lot of the kids are telling me— you know, that they're very conscientious about what images they post. And the images they post, of course, are the ones they want to be most attractive, which fall into line with mainstream standards of ideal beauty. That friendships themselves can become tense when friends post pictures that show unflattering images of their friends because in some way they violate that expectation of sexual attractiveness. Oh, my God. Wow. Um, okay. So there's ways to kind of retain that control or regain power. One is by being the person who takes the pictures. You know, if a bunch of girls, for example, are out at some event, 
being the picture taker is actually a system of power because then you can delete any pictures in which you don't look good and only post those pictures in which you do. So there's those kinds of friendship tensions, I think, that are introduced by the technology. But I think the technology is being used to reproduce a lot of the same practices that we've seen in terms of young people figuring out who they are and how normal they are, looking to others for comparison. But the technology makes it much easier for those kinds of comparisons. And where does sexting then fit into this, this very moment? I think there's just such a range of what we could mean when we talk about that. It could be consensually sent between one person and another Mm -hmm. and consensually received and kept on that phone or deleted. And that's the end of it. And in that can be an intimate act of trust between two people. Oftentimes when we talk about adults sexting, we talk about it with kind of this celebration, like how amazing is it that adults have this ability to converse, to talk about sex and sexuality, particularly for women, when in the past that hasn't been as easy, maybe face to face, it hasn't been as easy. When we move Mm -hmm. it down to talking about teenagers, I think we kind of have all these anxiety about it's always there's always a victim involved, that there's always a danger involved. I'm not sure that's true. And we don't know if it's true because mostly what we'll hear in the press, of course, is these very alarming stories about sex that got into the wrong hands that were distributed among many, many, many people and had devastating consequences for reputations. But that's just one kind of sexual communication. And I think in many instances, it's a relational act. That's what's unclear about the Colorado situation is what Mm. was the context in which these images were created? I mean, it's very... um, it's very desirable that people want a picture of you for, right. for, for, say, a girl. If someone asked you for a photo, that's a validation of who you are, that you are desirable, that you're sexually attractive. And that is a normal part of being a developing sexual person is a desire to be sexually attractive. But so I, so I guess the question to me is like, where is the problem? Is it saying mm-hmm. you shouldn't have to feel validated by someone asking you for a naked picture Or is it saying, like, okay, we know that, like, the teenagers are going to have sex, so let's just cross that off the list. But, like, (laughs) where is the point where we can, like, at what point can we guide teenagers? To me, it's like a self-esteem issue. I'm curious to hear what you think. I think it's much more complicated than that. I think if we rest it at the hands of individuals, like, you should know better, you shouldn't have to do this thing. You shouldn't have to put an image of yourself that's naked to be validated. Well, I think that doesn't take into context the very gendered and sexist world we live in, where actually you do. (laughs) You know, I mean, certainly our mass media would tell us that you do need to do those things. Our mass, not all of our mass media, but some messages in our mainstream media would say that, yes, you do actually need to do these things to be validated because those are the people in our society who are valid. Those are the systems of reward that we have set up into play. And we certainly have a double standard for boys and for girls with regard to sexuality, nudity, sex more generally. Um, so I, for me, it's not very comfortable to place it at the hands of let's teach these kids to stop sexting because it can only come back to haunt them. I'm not mm-hmm. saying that there's nothing there, but that's not, not really going to address a larger issue of why are images currency in our society mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and where, where are young people getting that information and how can we tackle it at a broader systemic level? So I guess finally, if you had <laughs> one piece of advice for parents in Canyon City, what would you tell them? I would tell them to go talk to these kids and listen to them. 
listen to them, not tell them anything, not preach to them, not say stop doing this, but say let's talk about why do we do this? You know, why do you feel like it is a good idea? If we know more about motivations, about the reward system of being involved in the exchange of messages, we can start to understand and maybe then give better advice about exchanging, you know, images and how do you think about trust and what does it mean to trust and talking more about ethics and community and care. Those care. conversations yes. seem to me make much more sense than just a top-down, don't do this, you'll be expelled, you'll be suspended, you'll be arrested. I just don't think, you know, this isn't going anywhere. And those kinds of approaches I don't think are very good for kids. Let's listen to what they have to say about what they're doing, why they're doing it. Professor Susanna Stern, thank you so much for giving us um, your perspective and just some perspective uh, more broadly on this one. You're welcome. Thank you. This topic is just so complicated. The absolutely bad side of sexting is if bullying or older adult predators are involved, right? But things get less clear depending on how you feel about kids and sex more generally. A study done last year by USC reported that young teens who received sex were six times more likely to be sexually active. Young teens who sent sexts, four times more likely. And then there's the Kafkaesque nature of some of the laws. If a kid under 18 sends a sext of him or herself, they can be classified as both the perpetrator and the victim at the same time. The legal term is self-produced child pornography. It's also worth noting that if any of those Canyon City students are over 18 and prosecuted, they could be put on the sex offenders list for the rest of their life. We're committed to following this story and all the various issues that come up around it in the months to come. By the way, just as we were finishing up this episode, 20 students were suspended and two students were arrested for sexting at a Long Island school. So it could be my community or your community next, right? So I'm glad we're talking about it. I would love to hear your take on this. Email us or send a voice memo to note to self at wnyc.org. We're also on Facebook and Twitter. And please share this episode with a teen or a teacher or a parent you know. Note to Self is a production of WNYC Studios. Our team is Jen Poyant, Ariana Tobin, and Joe Plord. Thanks so much to intern Miranda Katz for all her help this week. I'm Anoush Samarodi, and I'll see you next week. Idiot! Do you hear what's going on here? Archie, I, I'm thrilled. Zabo's my oldest friend. So Jim McNabb is our oldest friend. Suppose I put your mother-in-law up in front of Jim McNabb without her clothes on. <gasps> oh, Archie. <laughs> Relax, it ain't happened yet. <laughs> I, I don't know what you're so uptight about. The human body, the, the pure form, it's art. It's part of life. So is throwing up, but I don't want to look at it. <laughs>